Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Music Is More podcast. I'm your host Ayana, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Gunna's "A Gift and a Curse." I'm really excited. There's a lot to go over. I've already tried to record this episode once, but had to get rid of everything and start from the top, just because there's so much I can get really rambly. So I'm just going to try and stay on track. <laughs> tell you all about it, give you my review, talk a little bit about the circumstances of the release, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. Hope you're excited too. Let's get right into it. For those of you who are new to the pod, this is your first time joining, welcome, first of all, but just as a little heads up, what I like to do here is I like to start with um, me just chit-chatting. <laughs> I, we, just, we just chop it up a little bit first about the artist and about the album and the circumstances of the release and stuff. And then we get into the album basics where I just give you some of the stats regarding the album before going into a song by song breakdown. So we're going to cover all of these songs on this album. I'm going to give you my review, my thoughts, my impressions, etc. And then after I go song by song, I'll give a general review of the album before moving into the music is more segment of the music is more podcast in which I am liable to talk about anything. I don't know what I'm going to talk about until we get there. So just bear with me. (laughs) I'm going to iterate through all of the review first before diving into some of the deeper themes, some of the societal lessons and learnings and thoughts and theories that I might have based on what we listen to today. So I'm really excited. Uh, If you haven't heard this album, go and listen to it first. (laughs) And then I'm going to just go ahead and get right into it. Come back to this spot after you listen. Okay, great. <laughs> so, A Gift and a Curse by Gunna. Me and Gunna are friends. No, I'm just kidding. I like Gunna. <laughs> I always get a little giggly when I talk about him because I think he's fine. And I think he was fine even before he got a little thinner. Um, yeah, I liked him when he was big too. Like, yeah, you're sick. Yeah, I like you. <laughs> Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there, really, because um, yeah, my my thinking that he's cute does not influence this review at all. I don't think, <laughs> but I do think he's cute, and I'm a casual listener um, to Gunna, not a huge fan. I think that his rapping and his music uh, serves a purpose. Like I've seen. It utilized in ways like for dancing and stuff like that. That is really beautiful. Uh, But it's not always my mood. Like he's pretty chill. His beats are usually fire, but he does a kind of melodious rapping that is really unique to Atlanta, if in my opinion. Um, Yeah. So I enjoy his music, but the vibes aren't always applicable. You know, (laughs) he makes a specific kind of music, in my opinion. Um, which serves its purpose for when it's when it's necessary. I think he's a pretty great rapper, lyricist. Um, the only thing is he's a great lyricist, but I don't think that he dives into anything incredibly deeply. Like my opinion over the course of this album has kind of changed, but uh, I think in the past his music has been pretty surface level. Like I said, I'm a casual listener, so maybe it's just the singles that I'm hearing just don't do it for me. But yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. I think he's good technically, uh, but he just not, he just didn't have a lot to say 
before this iteration of his music, in my opinion. And, you know, I might be completely wrong um, because I haven't listened to his entire discography. But that is neither here nor there. Let's keep going. Um, So that's me and Gunna. Also, I think he was dating Chloe at one point. Love that for him. I'm, I don't know who to be jealous of, for real. <laughs> Bisexual problem, you know? I'm like, I love, I love Chloe. I think she's so beautiful and talented. And I also love Gunna. So moving on from me and Gunna and our relationship, let's talk about the album basics. So A Gift and a Curse was dropped June 16th, 2023. It's got 15 songs, 45 minutes, and 10 seconds of runtime. It's a full-length album. Um, pretty standard set of uh, metrics there. But where the intrigue for this album, I feel, really stems from is the fact that Gunna has been indicted along with YSL with the entire, it's not the entirety, but a, a large chunk of YSL. Um, on some federal RICO charges. Oh my goodness. We hate the sound of that. So before I get really deep into like the whole court case, um, I think it is important to say that like I am no hood expert. I'm no criminal justice expert either. Um, I'm talking about this as a interested fan. And that is all not from any place of expertise in any form. Like I'm not an expert in terms of like what really happens in the streets. And then I'm also not an expert of what really happens when you are under the purview of like a a court case, criminal court case. So, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, because it is incredibly uh, fascinating and timely and it does affect the way that we consume the music as a listener based on the actual circumstances of the release. So also shameless plug, I'm going to definitely do an episode on um, young thugs latest release as well. At first I thought I was going to pair them up. I decided against that because like I said, I'm not really in, (laughs) not really a major stakeholder in, in any form or fashion and I don't want people to get get confused and think that I'm really I'm knowing something cuz I don't know nothing. Everything I say is going to be pure speculation. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Anyway, um they have a Rico case. YSL has a Rico case. YSL Young Slime Life, the record label that is owned by Young Thug and that Gunna is affiliated with. Um Puerto Rico. Yeah, they're under suspicion of being a gang and doing gang-related activities. Um, it's quite sensitive. I also have to say, lots of disclaimers going around because it is it is so sensitive. I think that our criminal justice system sucks, and I don't find it beneficial in any way and I don't think that there's anything to play about about having your you know freedom and autonomy stripped away by the criminal justice system so it's uh it's bad on all ends in my opinion you know 
So a little bit about the actual case. There's a grand jury indictment and it accuses YSL of being a criminal street gang. They have a, they're alleged to have participated in 182 instances of gang activity and criminal conspiracies. Uh, one of the kickers for this entire case is that they cite lyrics. I don't, don't, don't think that that is appropriate, right? Um, I've seen somebody make the point that other uh, artists, songwriters, singers get to have their art be completely separated from their uh, social public life, kind of like people in other genres and people of other races get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the art that they produce, that it is art and so fictional and so, you know, creative outlet instead of just the truth of their existence. Um, you know, a rock artist could have violent lyrics in their songs, but they would probably not be used in the court of law against them to try and uh, point towards any real crime, right? Now, I think a lot of people in the rap space do use their in real life experiences as part of the jumping off point and inspiration for their music. But that's the same as other artists, right? You kind of talk about what you what your life is like, but really you're encapsulating feelings and encapsulating, um, you know, or attempting to encapsulate in your music the feeling that your experiences or these pretend experiences, these scenarios uh, inspire, right? But rap lyricists and rap uh, rappers don't get that same benefit of the doubt, you know, that there is some level of fantasy to what they produce because, potentially because uh, black people are not considered to be, you know, highly artistic, creative, in the same way that white people are. People might be way less inclined to give a rapper the benefit of the doubt about the things that he's experienced. He's painting a picture, right? A rapper could talk about, you know, the hood, drug dealing, criminality, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he was, you know, at the scene of, of these crimes. He's painting a picture of his reality because that is his reality, proximity to criminal activity. If you grew up in the, in the hood, then that just is what it is. That's part of what you experience. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are the culprit. But you put you gonna up there and you say, oh, no, this man's definitely a criminal. Because of what he's talking about in his art, what he's alluding to. You're like, oh, oh no. You know, you hear all of that stuff, but you shouldn't take these things literally because it is art. Was gonna in the hood be in ghetto, probably, but that doesn't mean that he was in a gang. Anyway, we'll keep, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think lyrics of songs that you write should be um, considered evidence in a, in, a, in a court of law. Anyway, so boom. Some of these people um, in YSL were accused of violent crimes and then some weren't. Some were accused of attempted robbery. Some were accused of attempted murder. Um, Young Thug and Gunna, when Gunna was um, 
in jail, he was denied bond several times. Uh, and Young Thung still have, has not been able to be granted bond, um, which is unfortunate. They get indicted. YSL gets indicted, several of their members. Then, after seven months, Gunna walked free on December 14th. He got arrested last May, and then in December, he got to go home. And he got to go home because he pleaded guilty to a charge of racketeering conspiracy in an Alfred plea. So let's really get into the tea about this plea that rhymed. You're welcome. Um, it's really, it, the legal system is so stupid. So just keep that in mind while I try and break it down. I've read it. I've read about it a couple times to see if I can get a good understanding because people are really up in arms about the plea. And by people, I mean, you know, the rap scene, the rap community. Of course, they're up in arms because it's a plea deal. There is a negative, uh, a negative feeling in the, in the uh, community about taking pleas, right? You hear it rapped about all the time. It's a longstanding thing. If you take a plea deal, the idea is that you are pleading in a certain way in order to try and uh, limit how, how much the criminal justice system punishes you, right? So uh, you could take a plea and plead guilty um, and say, oh, yeah, I did it, you know. And often plea deals come with strings attached. So you can say, oh, yeah, I did it. Get a reduced or less... Um, or, a, you know, a less heavy sentence uh, in exchange for your participation in potentially ratting other people out, right? That is kind of the traditional um, image of a plea deal that people have in their mind, right? So when it came out that Gunna was taking a plea deal, everyone was like, oh my God, he's about to snitch on YSL in order to, uh, you know, save his ass, right? In order to not go to jail for as long as the criminal justice system could punish him, he may have opted out of that long punishment and, and, and uh, sold his friends uh, down, down the highway or whatever. I can't remember what that. Sold his friends out. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that was the immediate reaction, right? You're not supposed to take a, a plea deal in the rap scene. I won't comment on on that, right? Because that is not my life. Um, I can only think about it in terms of family because I've never been in like a group of friends who rap or something like that. If my family was on trial, I would never take a plea deal. But that is also theoretically, right? Because I've never been confronted by uh, potentially going to prison. So, you know, everybody has what they think they'll do if, if presented with the, with the situation, but nobody really knows how they'll truly act. Um, it's easy to sit on a high horse from outside the jail. Okay. You hear what I'm saying? But plea deal comes out and then, but so it comes out that he's going to take a plea 
And people are immediately like, oh, my God, he's snitching, right? The Internet's ablaze. Gunna and his team are like, wait, wait, wait. It's not that kind of plea deal. Like, I'm not going to snitch on my friends, right? He makes a statement that says basically, like, you know, I, he said, um, what did he say? Well, I have agreed to always be truthful. I want to make it perfectly clear that I have not made any statements, have not been interviewed, have not cooperated, have not agreed to testify or be a witness for or against any party in the case and have absolutely no intention of being involved in the trial process in any way. He said that, right? Um, People are like, what? (laughs) How so? Okay. They then bring up, and his team brings up that he took an Alford plea deal, which is a specific kind of plea deal. Um, and that's fine. But the whole it, it's hard to understand what exactly makes it different than the plea deals in our in our mind. Uh, so, so if I'm understanding correctly, right. The Alford plea allows him to maintain his innocence, quote unquote while admitting that he could be potentially found guilty if tried. Okay. Don't. So that is complicated, right? He can maintain his innocence while admitting that he could potentially be found guilty if tried. He could potentially found guilty. He says, if, if, if the jury were to look at all the evidence, it would look like he would be found guilty. But he can then maintain his his innocence while admitting that. Okay, whatever. But that's that's like an Alfred plea in general. But let's go to like the terms of the deal. Gunner pleaded guilty to one count of racketeering conspiracy and was released. And was released after his sentence was commuted to time served. Right? He pleaded guilty. He didn't technically confess. But in, in order to plead guilty, he had to say that he was associated with YSL. And he had to confirm that that YSL partially functioned as a gang. So, yes, I think it'll be more. I think it'll be more. Um, more what what do I want to say? I think it'll be more clear exactly the terms of the Alfred plea when we get into the trial to see if he does have to in fact take the stand and if his words, if his confession, if his guilty plea will be held against the other members, right? Uh to see actually, you know, the full extent of what it is that he chose to do because it's still kind of unclear, right? He pleaded guilty but we don't know if that's going to negatively affect his uh, YSL members, the fact that he pleaded guilty and said that YSL partially functions as a gang. Will his, will his guilty plea then be weaponized against YSL? It's unclear at this time, right? It does look a little shady for him to, you know, plead guilty because if other people are going to try and say 
you know, if part of other people's case is that YSO is not a gang, um, you know, then he's kind of shot a hole in it by saying YSO is a gang. So we will see, you know, some people might have to pivot their case, whatever, um, depending, but it's kind of unclear. So the whole, even after the explanation of the kind of plea deal that he did and him saying that he would not be testifying against people or making statements or cooperating, people were still unhappy with the fact that he took a plea, right? Because, you know, to some people, a plea is a plea. It is what it is. You're now a snitch in their mind. Some notable voices, uh, you know, in the scene who said that were people like uh, Lil Baby I'm pretty sure Lil Durk also said something or alluded to something like not not fucking with Gunna anymore. Uh, so, yeah, a couple prominent members uh, have taken a step back from him after his plea deal, which I'm sure only only exacerbates whatever survivor's guilt he already is probably experiencing. Uh, but it is quite complicated. We cannot say for sure yet, you know, if this will be a smart move for other people or for himself, you know, ultimately he has gotten his sentence commuted to time served, right? 500 hours. Uh, So he made a decision that is probably his best bet, right? It's hard. It's really hard to beat a Rico. Um, So he probably made a decision that he felt was good at the time. And now he's just, waiting it out to see if he in fact will have to endure consequences for the things that for for taking this plea deal you know and we will see we will see that is kind of the circumstance so he gets released in december right after taking his plea people don't live for that but then he drops this album right he kind of stays he lays low and then he comes back with this with this album and uh, this album really is primarily dedicated to his thoughts and, and feelings about his incarceration and the whole thing with YSL, the whole Chevet. So that's what we are listening to. That is the circumstance of what we're listening to. And uh, really soon after this release, Young Thug from jail released his own album. Um, yeah, what can one even really say? <laughs> it's a very complicated, uh, and unfortunate situation for the, their entire, um, group of friends, you know, so, okay. With that out of the way, we've covered the basics. I've told you about the circumstances, all the drama, all of that. Let's actually start talking about the songs on this album. We're going to go ahead and do our song by song right now. So the first song is called Back At It. Pretty self-explanatory if you ask me. The name Back At It, it's his first song from his album after coming back from prison. Not prison, jail. I don't think it's Anyway, yes. Uh, <laughs> the song itself, let's talk about that. First, you know, the title, but then the song. The electric guitar in the back is so much fun. I think this would be a great song to perform live with a band. 
and just have somebody absolutely shredding in the background on the electric guitar. It was beautiful. I love, I too have a, um, a love for when, you know, different genres of music. Typically, you don't see an electric guitar on a rap song, but I, I like that there, it adds dimension, some intrigue there. So, yes. Uh, the production on the song is great. It's awesome. Um, it's a slow and steady start. He's, you know, coming back. He's back at it. Simple enough. He's certain. He's back at it. He's <laughs> still very chill. It's not like a hard-hitting song, because I think that the way that Gunner raps is a very chill way of rapping. Like, he's never, like, yelling. <laughs> he's never yelling. He's always talking pretty calmly when he's rapping. But, you know, simple, straightforward, calm. I'm back at it. Watch out, hoes. He also throws a few shots towards others. And, you know, he flexes on these hoes, I guess, as is a prominent part of almost any rap song that you ever listen to. Uh, he mentions a couple things. He says, mess the boy up and I gave him the drip. Let him go on. And this is the things that I get. You tell me who won't. Okay. Um, people think that this line is referencing a uh, little baby. Little baby, allegedly, <laughs> would hire Gunna to write lyrics for him when he was first starting out. Uh, and so here, Gunna may be alluding to the fact that he helped Lil Baby get on in some way. Uh, and that Lil Baby also notably turned his back on Gunna. And uh, uh, af- especially after taking his Alfred plea, um, basically expressed his dissent for uh, Gunna taking the plea deal. Like I said, it's frowned upon taking a plea deal. Uh, and so, yeah, little baby d- expressed his discontent, and I'm sure Gunna saw it, heard about it, whatever. And so he's like, "Well, I put you on, so, <laughs> so this is how you're gonna do me." Anyway, some other notable lyrics. I heard all your stories is cap. This is important. Like I said, and like I will continue to say, because he mentions it a lot throughout the album. People turn their back on him. Um. The hood, even. I don't know. I, I won't speak for the hood. Let me, <laughs> let me calm down. I was about to say the hood turned, turned his back on him. No, not fully, but several prominent members of the culture of the rap scene uh, expressed that they did not like that he took the plea. Anyway, I heard all your stories is Cap. He is directly saying, like, y'all are telling lies about me. Right? He says, they want to see me walk with my head down. Yeah. Uh, again, alluding to the shaming that has happened after his acceptance of the plea deal. I'm in my bed, but I ain't laying down. I like this one. I just like <laughs> this line. It doesn't, it's not that significant, um, but I just like the formation of it. I'm in my bed, but I ain't laying down. All right. First, there's, there's several <laughs> interpretations of this line. I'm in my bed, but I ain't laying down. I ain't laying down. Okay. There's, there's, if you get it, you get it. (laughs) No, I'm going to try again to explain it. I'm in my bed, but I ain't laying down. Okay. First, just the literal sense. In the literal sense, I'm in my bed, but I ain't laying down. It's your bed. That's where you usually lay down. He's like, I'm not, I'm not sleeping. Then the whole ain't laying down. 
I'm not laying down. Like, I'm not giving up. Like, I'm not a bitch. <laughs> like, I'm not sleeping. Like, I'm aware of all the things that are happening. So there's several interpretations. I'm in my bed, but don't get too, don't get too uh, safe. All right? I'm in my bed, but I see everything. I'm not laying down. I'm in my bed, but I'm still on top of you. <laughs> I'm still standing on it. Okay, I'm in my bed. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that line a lot. Okay, great. Ain't trying to sleep in no damn bunk. Back to his previous incarceration. If you're unfamiliar with jail, they have you sleeping in bunks. And it just further demoralizes you, in my opinion, uh, to, you know, have your freedom stripped away and then also... You, you know, your comfort, your privacy. He said, I'm not really trying to be, he said, I ain't trying to sleep in no damn bunk. And it really is encompassing, right? He's talking specifically about the bunk, but it's about more than the bunk here. It's about the experience of being in jail. He said, that's not for me. Um, I really don't want to, I, I don't want that. So excellent. Back at it. It's exactly what it says it is on the tin. Uh, and a solid start, in my opinion, to the album. After Back At It, we go to Back to the Moon. I felt like Back to the Moon was just a little bit redundant. We already had Back At It, and now we're talking about Back to the Moon. They are distinct in that in Back At It, I think he's talking about getting back to the game in general. And Back to the Moon, I think he's talking about trying to get back on top of the game. Um, so just a little bit different just a little nuance but really in the same vein so i even if i wanted if i was in his place even if i wanted to put back at it and back to the moon on the same album i don't think i would have put them back to back but that's just me okay so yeah i think that coming back from his arrest he feels that he has to prove himself again right and attempt to reach the same level of respect and notoriety and fame and stardom and money that he had prior to his arrest. From um, what I've read, I think he was already working on an album when he got arrested. And he was probably thinking, I'm really about to do it to him, right? He was probably really anticipating uh, people listening to whatever album he was going to be producing in May. Um, and, you know, getting notoriety, fame, money from that endeavor. Uh, but getting arrested really put a pin in all of that. So I think he's really internalized that. And this song is, is kind of proof, points to that fact that he's trying to get back on top. He's trying to get his money back up and make up for the success that he thought that he was going to have but didn't as a result of his arrest. Some notable lyrics on Back to the Moon. They sat me down like I went outer space. Now I gotta go back to the moon. Mm-hmm. This. This um, reinforces the point that I was making earlier. They sat me down like I went outer space. They sat me down. <laughs> the man. They sat, you know, when you get... It, it's a... Uh, it's definitely a phrase that I've heard reference. It's definitely a phrase that, that I've heard reference before, like, oh, 
they sat me down. <laughs> like if somebody sat you down, they've taken you off out of the game, right? You're on the bench. They sat you down. I am imagining an a older man putting a, putting a hand on your shoulder and sitting you down like you've been sat down. <laughs> He's, so Gunna got sat down by the criminal justice system. And now he says, now I got to go back to the moon. I got to go crazy. I got to get back to where I was. I was on the moon before, but I got to get back there. Um, he says, I'm about to start acting a fool. It's just you and me, and you know who I choose. Me, of course. You knew this would happen. You cut off the crew. I'm talking to me and not you. This is an interesting line. Throughout this album, I find myself with many questions because even though I think he gets really candid about himself, he does not get very candid about the entirety of the situation. And that is, of course, smart of him, right? There is an active court case going on. He might be, you know, called to um, testify, whatever. So it's best to try not to incriminate himself or his affiliates and his friends and family any more than he may have already done, right? So this album left me with questions about who's who and when did that and all that stuff or whatever. But uh, I'm okay with those questions, really. <laughs> it's not even going to be a critique, the, the, the fact that I'm still confused about it, because that is, listen, it's not my business, okay? When you, got, when you got court cases to take care of, listen, I don't need to know, period. Anyway, you, you knew this would happen. You cut off the crew. I'm talking to me and not you. I think what this line is trying to tell me <laughs> is that he cut off the crew. And he knew this would happen. He knew that people would be upset about him cutting them off, right? But he did it anyway, and that's what he did. Okay, that's, what I, that's my interpretation, but I could be wrong. Um, you talking at rats and you all with that cheese, we having some lemon squeeze. I just like this line. It's not that deep, right? Rat, traitor, you all with that cheese. Okay, you got what the rats and the traders like. <laughs> um, yeah, we have some lemon squeeze. Yeah, it's simple. But it's also, I think it's kind of interesting that he does call people rats, right? In this album. But he himself is also, you know, under suspicion. Of, of being a traitor. So it's just an interesting dichotomy. Like, you know, here is a man who did, in fact, take a plea deal, right? And he's like, but what about, but what about the rat? <laughs> um, okay, yeah. <laughs> when you ever fall down and you're back in the ground, better pray to the gods you don't need them. And he's talking about in reference to, uh, you know, the people that you think, have your back, but don't. I think it's a good line. When you ever fall down and your back hit the ground, better pray to the gods you don't need them. Yeah. And that's the truth. When you're dealing with fake people, you better hope that they don't have to, you know, do anything for you, that you never really need them because they will show their ass real quick. And I think that's kind of what he thinks has happened to him. Okay, next song. I don't know no more. 
<sighs> I don't know no more. Interesting. I think it's the beginning of some of his more vulnerable moments on the album. And I could feel Gunna's anxiety throughout the album, like really strongly, really. Confusion, chaos, uncertainty, anxiety. He's got it all. He's got it all. And this is a really trying situation. So I want to underline that this is, it could not be in any way easy to be in his, in his shoes. Um, and you really can see that in how conflicted he is throughout the album, right? He's like, he's just, with this song, it's a personification of like putting your head, head in your hands. Like you're shaking your head and you just don't even know. I don't know no more, right? He returns from his unrest, unsure of where he stands with himself and with his team, right? With his, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he also doesn't know what anybody else is thinking, feeling about him. Like, it's hard. Um, trying to figure out who is family, who is not family, who who's, has your back, who doesn't have your back. You know, and then on top of that, the future is also unclear for him. He's still got to contend with his sentence. He doesn't have the things that he thought he was going to have. Like he had his dream deferred in May upon his arrest. So he doesn't necessarily know what is in store for him as far as his, as his career either. So, yeah, <laughs> it's really sad when you think about it. Um, the horns on this instrumental, I felt, were very emotive very well used they're slightly out of tune you know i would have loved to see more of this instrumental kind of jazzy it's sad um i think we got to see a little bit at the end but i would have loved like to delve deeper into it um yeah some lyrics some some notable lyrics i felt uh were we burned the bridge and cut the ties and we forever apart it's over it's done right he says, why men acting like girls talking to people like they sisters? Okay. I don't appreciate uh, the allusion to women in this negative way. Acting like girls. Don't love that. But also he's saying, you know, they're out here gossiping about him. You know, chit-chatting about him. Over tea. Over brunch. <laughs> anyway. Next. Uh, another lyric that I liked. I could do it on my own. Don't want to fuck with you people. Had a big brother that loved me. A stone cold killer. If it's family, that means the love is never, ever ending. And that is what it's supposed to mean. Throughout the album, Gunna says, you know, I really not fucking with you guys. <laughs> with you people, right? He says that a lot. Like, I don't have no friends. I don't trust nobody. I don't lean on anybody. But he also alludes to this crew, this family, you know, this never ending love. So it's kind of, it's like, I know that there are people on both sides, right? He has both, but it's unclear who is who, right? Where does this distinction lie? Is it that your actual family is the family that you're talking about? Is it that, you know, YSL is the family that you're talking about with who the love is never ending? Or is it that YSL is the, is the people you no longer fuck with, you know? It's hard and it doesn't matter. Like I said, you do not have to give me the tea about this. 
<laughs> but I, I do find myself wondering when I try to put it in the frame of his current situation. Uh, and yeah. After that, we go to Payback. <laughs> and I want to think about it really hard because Payback, of course, it's spelled like P-A-Y-B-A-C-H. And it's supposed to be Payback and Maybach. But I, I've, I've heard Maybach and I've heard Maybach. I don't know. I don't know. I think black people say it Maybach. So I'm just going to keep it the same. <laughs> Payback. <laughs> Very fun. But when I see it, when I see it spelled that way, I'm like, Payback. I don't know. Anyway, Payback. Amazing instrumental. Okay. But. You don't see it shine until the very end. I think it could have shined way earlier in the song. Love this instrumental. Um, a recurring theme is not having people to trust and being on his own and only trusting himself and really embracing solitude. That is his vibe right now. And that is perfectly understandable, I'm sure. You know, like, if I went through something as traumatizing as what, as what he's going through, I definitely think that isolation would be one of my coping mechanisms. Um, but it's also pointing to the fact that he just doesn't feel that he can trust anyone uh, because of what has most recently happened to him. Um, you know, he's also trying to get back to where he was before. He makes mention in this song and in several songs to uh, drugs and addiction and trying to get sober. Um, trying to get sober but later on the album i think he says he like gives up which is really unfortunate to hear um drugs and alcohol and really like substance abuse is very frequently discussed in rap music but not as seriously as i think it should be um so a secondary storyline in this album but still quite sad and heartbreaking there are several strands that we um continually revisit throughout the album right there are several storylines if you would right the storyline about his arrest and and incarceration the storyline about his friends and his partners and who he's gonna be with and if he's alone or not the storyline about you know, coping with his uh, best friend still being incarcerated, the storyline about his family life um, and how he grew up. And then there's also this storyline, a secondary storyline about his battle with uh, substance abuse. I don't know if I want to call it that, about his uh, use of substances. And in this, in the course of this album, we see him, you know, get on the train and fall off again, even just in these, you know, 15 tracks or so. So some lyrics I felt were important. Motherfuck the system trying to give us all a sentence. Yes. Yes. Criminal justice reform is incredibly important to me. If I had it my way, I would get rid of our carceral system. Of course, I would still have uh, consequences and punishments, not even maybe punishments, consequences for violating the law and violating others, but it would not be so focused on punishing, but instead uh, rehabilitating and further like preparing 
the person to go out back into the real world. Like if, if actually being isolated from society is uh, the agreed upon consequence, then even that would have, you know, more humanity than the, the, the system that we had right now in place. Right. Um, America is so focused on punishing, on enacting violence on others, you know, as restitution. Uh, and I think our focus should shift from that into how do we make sure that these crimes are not continually perpetrated? Why did this person commit this crime? Is it a crime of proximity? Is it blah, blah, blah? You know, what would it take to reha- rehabilitate this person into someone who contributes to our society? Anyway, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's what I got from motherfuck the system trying to give us all a sentence. Thank you. And it goes deeper than that. I might highlight this lyric to go <laughs> to go hard on it later on, too. But I fucking love this. Lyric. It's a good lyric. They do want to give us all a sentence. Anyway, next lyric. Switching on my brother. Are you serious? I think this is one of the first times that we get a really solid allusion to um, the young thug YSL situation. Switching on my brother, are you serious? Um, like, how could you be serious, right? I would never do that. And even though it's unclear to me if he fell out with YSL, it is clear to me that he did not exactly fall out with young thug. Mm, this is important. Uh, there's a distinction in my mind because he is, <laughs> he talks about Young Thug um, in this album, I think, you know, based on what I know. And when he is talking about him, it's only ever with uh, what I think is like love and reverence, right? So, I do think it's a possibility that he, you know, feels this way about Young Thug, but feels a different way about YSL. Anyway, yeah. Switching on my brother, are you serious? Very important. I made a few mistakes, but I'm still a star. I hate the government trying to tear us apart, but I'm going to keep it going. That's what's in my heart. Government, we already discussed. It's there. One of the most interesting aspects of this whole entire album is his allusion to the losses that he has taken. He makes so many references to mistakes, to losses, to taking L's. Throughout this album that it makes me think like he's he definitely has some misgivings about the way that things have proceeded because he's like I'm I've heard and why <laughs> you might say to yourself Ayana lots of people talk about taking L's fair enough I think he talks about it a lot okay when Drake talks well I can't even know I can't even remember if Drake has ever mentioned taking an L <laughs> I can't even remember. I feel like Drake has never ever said that. Um, but different example. When a random person, <laughs> when a random rapper just says, I took a couple L's, but it's fine. They say it one time, right? It's one line. Gunna says it so much throughout this album. Then you say, What if he's just 
taking L's in terms of his arrest, right? And his time in jail. Maybe that is the L or the mistake or the losses that he's talking about when he's talking about, you know, when he's saying these things on the album. To that, I would say, I don't think in the rapper conscious going to jail is considered that big of a loss. It's definitely a detour. It's definitely, you know, like not ideal and talked about negatively, but it is not. It's very rarely framed as a personal failing to go to jail. You don't necessarily say I took a loss by going to jail. You say they got me. They got one up on me. But you don't necessarily say, say, oh, damn, like it's my my bad. I went to jail. He's talking about taking personal losses, making personal mistakes. And I think that he's talking about the way that he's handled this decision, right? The plea deal, getting out, accepting what he did, whatever. I think that is weighing heavy on his mind. And he mentions it so much throughout that album. It's insane. We're going to talk about it again because it's going to be in another song. I also want to talk about, I just want to live, pray we all get back. I just want to live, pray we all get back. Hope we all get out of jail. I hope that my decision to take this plea deal does not fuck you all over. And we all, not, not just that, but not just that, but also that, you know, you have a good lawyer that we all make it out. Right. I solitude to figure out my situation. Uh, I think isolation and solitude is definitely one of his uh, coping mechanisms. <laughs> he expresses a desire to escape um, and to go somewhere by himself uh, several times throughout the entirety of the album. Real discreet location out of state with my little lady told my dog be patient. We going to boost back up the rating. So he left out of state trying to go right trying to get out of there. Be patient. We going to boost back up the ratings. Um, it's back. It's the same sentiment as back to the moon. We're going to get back to our previous glory. Gunner running out of love. I thought we was fan. We really never was. Uh, uh, sad, sad, sad to see. Self-explanatory. But those are some of the lyrics that I think paint the picture for payback. Next, we go to cash shit. I love cash shit. <laughs> I love cash shit. Cash shit is a much needed reprieve, I think. We get into the weeds with I don't know no more payback. Back to the moon even has a little bit of heft to it. Uh, but cash shit is simply cash shit. <laughs> There's a cash machine in the background. Yes, love that. The instrumental on verse two is fire. It's just about money. You know, it's just short and to the point. Two minutes and 11 seconds. We on that cash shit. Some lyrics I liked. Out the barrel, man. Free my bro, Jeff Rowe. This is important. Snuck in, right? Snuck in with some important stuff. Out the barrel, man. Free my bro, Jeffro. He names him. Uh, young Thug, Jeffro. He's got several alias, young, aliases, Young Thug, but Jeffro is definitely one of them. This cannot be mistaken for anything else. You cannot think it's anything else. Free my bro, Jeffro. At the point of writing these lyrics, Mm-hmm, for cash shit. He is thinking about a still incarcerated young thug. Next, 
uh, well, some other lyrics that I liked. God damn it. I started with zero. Ain't have a hero. I think no squad. I see nobody. I don't give no fuck how you go about it. All right. I started with zero. Ain't have a hero. Rough upbringing. We know this. He talks about it more in future songs on the album. I think no squad. I see nobody. This is important. You think no squad? Is YSL your squad or no? Are you a lone wolf or no? I think no squad. I see nobody. And like I said, we know that by the time that he's writing this, he is unincarcerated and Young Thug is incarcerated. I'm putting it together. I think no squad. I see nobody. Okay, sure. (laughs) Next song. Fuck you mean. Also a light song. Fuck you mean. Yeah. (laughs) Very catchy. It went viral. The ad libs are so fun to sing along to. Fuck you mean. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I live for a gang vocal, right? The way that fuck you mean, the fuck you mean part of fuck you mean where he's going, fuck you mean, is recorded. There's several people saying it in the same way at the same time, right? And it just makes for a more communal vibe. I love a gang vocal. Anyway, it's fun to sing along to. There's fun um, ad-libs. It's kind of like a P-Power. That pussy got power. Don't, don't. It, they, there was a lady in the back doing a similar thing. And pussy, uh, pussy power, P-Power, push and pee. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> I have to go find it now. Push and pee. It's called pee power. Thank you. So sorry, everyone. But pee power also got like buzz and famous because of the fun little ad lib in the background. Great. Some lyrics on fuck you mean can't be my equal. I don't know what you heard. Period. Self-explanatory. I'm in this bitch with P. Liddy. QP, QP ski. That's the best part of the song. I'm in this bitch with P. Liddy. QP, QP ski. Yay. Ow. Everybody's like, who the fuck is QP ski? I want to be QP ski. <laughs> it's so cool. QP, QP ski. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he says, all of my bitches pretty. They showing their titties. It's up to the ceiling. I'm pretty self-explanatory there, too. The transition into Rodeo Drive is immaculate. I only ever play these two songs back to back, Fuck You Mean and then Rodeo, in order. I purposefully like them, um, like on Spotify, I like them in the correct order just so that it would play straight down. I like Rodeo Drive first and then Fuck You Mean so that they could be back to back in my play order. Anyway, (laughs) love the transition. Back on Rodeo Drive, he says. I'm going to reference Back to the Moon again <laughs> because it's very much that same vibe. He's ready. He's back on Rodeo, right? And it's really quite interesting because this allusion to this wealthy area, this wealthy location, and this kind of desperation to stay affiliated with a luxury and high status things after having experienced incarcerated incarceration is 
psychologically so interesting, right? If I was a therapist or a trained psychologist, I would eat this up because it's got to be some kind of subliminal, like societal, um, psychological instinct that says, I have to tell all these people I'm going to get back on Rodeo Drive. And you know exactly what he means by it, too. Like, I'm going to be rich. Like, I'm going to continue to maintain my luxury capitalist desires. Don't get me fucked up. I'm back on Rodeo. I've never been I've never been broke in my life, basically. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just trying to get back rich and be in the places that rich people go to, you know, still trying to maintain this sense of superiority. I'm still the same. I'm still better than you. I'm still the star. Right. I'm back on Rodeo. Ro- some lyrics I like from Rodeo Drive. Well, no. Rodeo Drive also goes up in pitch in the second verse on this song and on others. I think it's part of his whole thing. It's the way that he likes for his songs to progress. Um, I like it, though. Uh, and then, so, I kind of reduce it to the superficiality of it, but it does address some serious things uh, intermixed between the superficiality. <laughs> some lyrics, okay? Let me turn back around and go back to a cell for a person with inter- internet jokes. You heard it here first. Once you, I think once you have your first brush with that, you're like, I never want to go back. Even though a lot of times people do, it's also like becomes one of your fears, right? Like, I will never go back, especially not for you with your internet jokes. Especially, I, wouldn't, I would never let anything threaten my freedom again, right? I'm the most um, pacifist non-violent person you've ever met nobody is ever gonna rile me up i'm leaving any situation that i think might be dangerous after having you know been in jail he goes i know some niggas locked up in the dungeon they say they feel like they they say they feel me like a fabric right back to the jail part he's speaking for and to those people that he met in jail. Um, I know you heard I've been pulling up pressing the niggas who claiming I rat it. Get them. <laughs> no, I ain't signed the Atlantic. This is important. This is important because Atlantic, I think, is the uh, I think Atlantic Records. Wait, no, I think YSL is a subsidiary of Atlantic Records like it's an offshoot. And the rumor was that upon his release, he was going to break his contract with YSL and go to Atlantic instead. But he dispels those rumors and says, um, you know, no, I ain't signed to Atlantic. Here, today. All right. All right now. (laughs) Next song, Bottom. Bottom has a beautiful instrumental. And Bottom gives me a little bit more insight onto who Gunna is. Cool, yeah. I think Bottom gives me more insight into who Gunna is as a person because he kind of um, elaborates on his past, right? On not having anything. He came from the bottom. And that paints a picture of a man who definitely probably had his survival instincts, you know, flare up 
when he was incarcerated, right? Probably got real desperate to see the sun, you know, to see freedom after a certain extent, because he also has expressed that he knows that in some ways he is destined for greatness, right? He knows that he's meant to, uh, you know, be a rapper and live this kind of lifestyle. And that kind of certainty engenders in you this like desperation, right? I'm sure when you're in jail, when you know for a fact you shouldn't be there, you know? And so this song helped me understand where he might have been coming from, right? If you are, you've got your freedom on the line and you know for a fact that you have, you know, scrounged up from the bottom, right? Too. He did not, um, you know, get famous in the process of being incarcerated. He was already famous. He had already seemingly, you know, made it to the top before being sat down. So having that entire journey behind you, right? And now at what should be the peak of your career, you're experiencing the lowest of lows, psychologically cannot be easy to, you know, um, cope with. So a couple lyrics I really like on bottom. Uh, Find you a hobby. Cause it's bread on your noggin. <laughs> that is one of my, th- I want to put that in an Instagram caption. Find you a hobby. Cause it's bread on your And as my friends know, one of my favorite sayings, one of my favorite African-American sayings of all time is find you something safe to do. Oh, I love that. <laughs> this, this reminds me of this. He said, go and find you a hobby. Cause it's bread on your noggin. Okay. Thank you. I say, fuck you, you know that I mean it. I don't care about none of your grievance. (laughs) Love this. I think he's rapping really well. (laughs) I love it. You know that I mean it when I say fuck you, first of all. And the way he says it is so chill. Like, he doesn't even go fuck you. Like, I say fuck you, you know, know, and he probably says it fuck you just like that. Just real simple, real chill. Fuck you. (laughs) You know that I mean it. Okay, I don't care to hear none of your grievance. First of all, big word, vocabulary points, grievance. He said, I don't want to hear about none of that. Don't talk to me about what you don't like. I fucking hate you. (laughs) I don't give a fuck that you think I'm this, that, that. I do not give a fuck. Thank you. Some other ones. Hit me up. Gonna back taking meetings. Sitting back, but prepare for a reason. Told my dog, let's get back to this eat. Gonna back taking meetings. Uh, it seems a little bit too, too suspicious. I wouldn't have put that lyric in there. Taking meetings, like, you know, a boss. He says he calls a couple people a dawn a couple times on the album. I would not use that. <laughs> I would not use that phrase here. Um. Anyway, take back taking meetings. It is kind of serious though. When I think about rappers taking meetings. It makes me laugh a little bit. Like, I love the thought that they are somewhere posted up taking meetings. Like, the way that I take meetings is we put it on the Google Calendar. We all show up, you know. (laughs) Or when I'm, like, in person taking meetings, it's really, like, lame. (laughs) So to, to envision a rapper in that same kind of context where they're like, hey, yeah, my name's John. Thanks for coming. Like, yeah, it's funny. He's back taking meetings, sitting back, but prepare for a reason. I'm sure that his anxiety 
has racked up a million times, right? He's probably got some sort of PTSD from from going to jail and being arrested. Um, so it does not it does not surprise me that he's like I'm laying low, but like I'm absolutely stockpiling resources, right? In a case that he has to pay for a lawyer again or whatever. Um, being being on trial is not inexpensive. So I'm sure he's like, I'm always prepared for the worst now because of how things have happened. Um, get back to this eating, self-explanatory. Take a risk, hope it plays out the best way. This is important. I think that he's talking about his plea deal. Take a risk, hope it play out the best way. He does not know that this plea deal will not spell trouble for his co-defendants. I'm sure at a certain level, he was uncertain about the best way to do this, right? With so many, with so many people in the pot, when you're going up against the criminal court system, it's really hard, you know? <laughs> it's really difficult. Unless you have the, just the most money and the most resources it's hard to play the law, right? I think part of the whole thing with like the mafia and the mob was that they were paying off the police, right? <laughs> they were paying off judges and stuff like that because it's much, much more difficult to operate once you are actually under the eye, under the suspicion of the government. Yeah. It's often sensationalized, I think, in uh, our media that people are just like, you know, duping and getting on, duping the system and getting out of jail free. In reality, you have to be like genius mastermind level to be able to do it. Anyway, take a risk. Hope play out. He's definitely taking a risk here. He said, fuck him. I don't even need him. Okay. <laughs> stepping up because i'm really a re really a leader answer this do the world really need them it's an important question ask this to yourself about your faves next song to cover p angels um p angels i think this song puts a lot of emphasis on the bigger picture the hope that i feel gonna express this throughout the album is that his decision to take this plea deal it's going to work out for the bigger picture. It's going to work out at the end of it that he is hoping really hard that he is not going to regret having taken the plea deal, right? He's not certain, but he's hoping for the best. Um, I felt like P. Angels had a solid instrumental. I like that it got quiet on the last piece of the second verse. Pretty well produced, if you ask me. Um, yeah. Some lyrics I found interesting. Only thing that matter is the bigger picture. Okay, we covered that already. Took a few losses. That's part of the game. Again, the losses. Took an L. Made a mistake. Okay, he says, took a few losses. That's part of the game. And then later on, he says, took up some L still winning. In the same song. So that's twice in the same song that he's mentioning some losses that he took. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, he said, I bought a Lotus Wale. Love that. 
the girls that get it get it <laughs> lotus flower bomb by wale a hit <laughs> it was everywhere during its um reign he also says i'm gonna get a grammy that's my witness i want it i get it independent let's talk about this line because i think this line is important i'm gonna get a grammy okay sometimes i think it's just <laughs> it's interesting that he wants a grammy for whatever reason i just don't imagine musicians in general thinking so highly of the grammys i guess and maybe that's because when i was coming up is around the time where people were starting to get disillusioned by the grammys and the grammys process like I've seen enough think pieces and articles about the way that the Grammys works and how, you know, it can be really, really biased. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. So I've never I've been happy for people who have gotten a Grammy, but personally don't think that it's necessarily indicative of your skill or your impact. But I understand why he would say that. It's just always surprising when people talk about it to like talk about it so highly in such high regard because it is a high regard, but it also isn't. You know what I'm saying? Like it, just like any award, like it's great to get the award. But the award in some ways it's representative of like, you know, your skill and everything but over time i think the grammys has become less about skill and talent and music and more about politics kind of like the oscars like there's the oscars and the other whatever to like go around and talk to people and rub shoulders and shake hands so that you can get your hands on an award it takes some of the fun out of it anyway whatever he says (laughs) I'm always surprised when artists artists reference the Grammys as their goal. Um, But here he states it plainly. He wants a Grammy. Um, Okay. (laughs) But that's the first part of the lyric. But then he says, I want it. I get it independent by himself. But also, you know, when when an artist is not signed to a record label, they are an independent artist. So it could have multiple meanings, but it might not also. Next song, Born Rich. I hate this fucking song. No offense to anybody. I just, this is the worst song on the album. The focus on wealth and baby making and legacies uh, is boring, played out, basic, superficial, I feel like. Like, I think, <laughs> I'm reading, I'm reading. I think men focus on having children as a checkbox and not as a real thing they like the idea of having children the idea of having children and having legacy and having a baby that is born rich in gunner's case here gives you some sense of satisfaction right because you think to yourself this will fulfill some part of me in reality the act of having children is much much beyond that but to see it simplified into our baby's going to be born rich, like, but do you have the faculties to love and care for this baby in a way that won't traumatize it? 
And not to say that he doesn't, but in this, in this iteration of what he's talking about, he doesn't make mention of anything like that. He is only saying, I'm going to have a rich baby. Not, I'm going to love this baby, grow this baby, pour into this baby. Because that's not part of, I feel like men's idea when they're thinking of having children. They're not actually thinking of the logistics of the realities of the emotional, psychological effects of them having children with somebody. They're thinking this will be a child under my name, with my last name that I have produced. It's like getting another car. It's like, no, I don't like it. Yeah. And like, just because you have children does not erase in any way the things that you have done, right? It does not ameliorate any of the mistakes that you've made for yourself. I think two people think of children as a way to redo. It won't. So, yeah, I hate this fucking song. It was also, I, don't, I didn't really like the instrumental that much, and I felt like it was repetitive. So, boo. <laughs> and <laughs> I am liable to give worse, uh, ob- worse reviews on the, object- on the more objective parts of a song if I don't like the premise. <laughs> but that's because I weigh the premise of a song and the meaning of a song pretty highly in my scoring. So now, because I don't like, I don't like what he's saying, I'm like, yeah, and the instrumental trash, mixing, horrible production, bad, (laughs) even though it's not that bad, but still, like, I don't like it. (laughs) The lyrics that I think are important to this are surviving the spending addiction is not an option. Get so rich, it only hurts your pockets. The hyperfixation on getting rich to um to solve your problems it's really a disease like he he called it the spending addiction it's really a disease thinking to yourself one day you'll amass so much wealth that you'll finally feel safe and secure but the reality is if you don't get therapy you never will if you don't work on yourself you'll never will you could have that's what's wrong with all the billionaires out there today all of these hardcore capitalists You think if you have millions of dollars sitting in the bank, you'll be happy and you won't be so anxious and you'll be safe and secure and you'll be able to live your life and enjoy. But you won't because that's how it works, because what you're missing is not actually money. After you reach that first, you know, couple that first million, you should be set for life. But the fact that you aren't. It's deeper than money, baby. It's you. Okay. Have a kid. Now you got generational cash. Also, children (laughs) as a means of like uh, dispersing capital and maintaining capital. Like, don't just have a, not to say that he is, but like the purpose of children should not be to create general wealth, generational wealth, in my opinion. Like, Everyone's so hyper-focused on generational wealth because white people have it. But really, the true generational wealth is not necessarily amassing as much as you can for yourself and your um, progeny, but uh, creating a better system 
for your children to experience. But that they're not hearing me. Talking about generational wealth, you know, trying to hoard as much wealth as you possibly can. That's not the real way to freedom. The real way to freedom, the real generational wealth, is making it such that your kid doesn't have to fight for their rights when they're born. You get me? They're not hearing me. I'd much rather I pour my resources and time and energy and money into making important changes into the way that we live as a society than just be stacking bricks for my kid. Because the way things are going, the bricks that I stack will mean nothing. The way inflation's going, I'm exaggerating, but you get it. Anyway, don't like this song. Let's move on. Go Crazy is the next one. I like Go Crazy. This one, I think, really depicts his life story. You know, he got it out, kind of like bottom, you know. Got it out the mud, whatever. I love the instrumental and the cadence and the flow on this one. I felt that he was getting pretty deep, pretty vulnerable. A lot of the lyrics, he he is revealing his innermost thoughts, you know? Some examples being, I took a L. They're thinking it's gravy. Again, taking another L. All right. We're up to like five now. If, if not more. He says, I've been talking to my accountant a lot, trying to make what I got stacked tall like Katie. Okay. Money, wealth, as a safety net. She get tragic, but we still make it happen. It's deeper than rap, and this life will get crazy. Tragic. But he's still trying to keep going. As a lot of people will do in the face of tragedy or trauma. Instead of taking time to, co- to um, healthily cope and to reckon with their feelings about whatever tragedy has struck them, they spring into action, you know? And sometimes you have to, but also you can only divert for so long before you have to come back to the tragedy. Ride or die forever, I hope. Some doubt there. Not certain. Okay, someone else would say ride or die forever. Just that. But he says, I hope, because he's not sure. Like you keep pulling folks out the ditch that won't give you back shit and you know that it's crazy. I'm with brother. He helped me get that chip off my shoulder. He told me can't nobody save. Okay. You keep pulling folks out the ditch that won't give you back shit. All right, you heard it. It's very, it's blatant, okay? He said, I've been helping you, and you really turned your back on me. Then he said his brother helped him get get the chip off his shoulder, told me, can't nobody save me. And it's true. Brother is wise. Only you can save you. You can have support. You can have love. You can have all of that. But you have to want it. And you don't have to want it a lot. <laughs> you don't have to want it a lot. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be your number one priority, but you've got to be the breath of it. Or else what happens when nobody's there? 
to save you. So, yes. Um, he also says, I done took some real losses and losses. Again, I'm sticking it back. Ain't nothing you can say to me. Okay, good. Please do get up, my friend. We got to stop lingering on the losses and we got to get up and we got to get this. We got to get this lick back, my love. <laughs> Gonna want to just say what it is and you still trying to make this shit up and it's crazy. They be lying. Okay. I like go crazy. Next, Bread and Butter. This is, was a single. I heard this song first. Listen to the single. I said, ooh, T. This was a great single. Because it got people curious, I think. Just like the rest of the album, it does not go too much into detail about the specifics of the situation. But it alludes to it enough to make you curious. To be like, there must be more to the story. Let me try and put the pieces together. Um, it's very timely. Very current. I imagine he wrote this almost immediately after returning. Um, it's got a very serious instrumental, like, yeah, like, it reminds me of what I think the soundtrack of a mafia movie would, would sound like. Like, it's very serious, very confrontational. Um, yeah, I, I love the bass guitar on this. I like it. And throughout, he's, like, talking about the loss of revenue. Big sticking point throughout the album, he lost some money in the ordeal of being arrested. The loss of revenue, the loss of reputation, the loss of his friends. He has lost a lot in the process. He has taken several L's, right? In reality, he's taken several L's. So it only makes sense that he mentions it so fucking much throughout the album. But yeah, (laughs) he lost a lot in the process of, of it. Physical things and then like mental things, emotional things. Um, And I think that he's still confused, right? He's still confused. He's still not sure about if he's made the correct decision, if he has played the game correctly. Um, But he also knows that he made the decision that he felt was right at the time, right? I'm not big on regret personally. Uh, (laughs) I don't think there, there have been, I can count on my hands how many times I've actually felt regret, even if I said to myself, that wasn't the best decision to make. In retrospect, at the time of making the decision, I used everything available to me to make the decision. So how can I regret it? I didn't know, you know, that that another bus would be coming in 20 minutes that didn't have as many people, right? I just went up at the time I said, ooh, according to all the information available to me, it's best to make, it's best to get on this bus now. Right. And that's, I think, what Gunner did. He said, I could wait and try and get catch the next bus with less people on it. But instead, I'm, according to the information that I have and that I'm privy to, this is the best decision that I can make at the time. And he made that decision. And then he realized probably that, you know, there might have been another decision that he could have made that would have, you know, made him more comfortable, made it easier, whatever. But you can't, you know, you can't scold the past you for making the best decision possible that they could. You get me? So I uh, feel for him in that way. He has made the best decision that he could according to the information that he was given. 
And that's another downfall of the American criminal justice system. The fact that you do not have full information about your rights, about what you could do, about how the legal system works. You don't have that. And that's kind of on purpose. Anyway, some lyrics that I thought were important or stood out to me on Bread and Butter. Yeah, I'm right back at it. And I lost mad commas. You heard them. Fuck them boys. I found out who my real partners. Who is it? Who are we saying? (laughs) Again, the same question. Who is it? You know? Who is, who gets the fuck you and who is your real partners? Okay. Next. Never fucked, never fucked somebody. Always stayed solid. Kept it real. Never lied and always stay honest. Love my bro so much, I never change on him. Okay, you heard him. He said he stayed solid. He kept it real. He never lied. He's always honest and he loves his bro. He never change on him. You heard it. That's signed, sealed, and delivered. That's his statement. He said, I got love for you. I'm a real, I'm a real. And that's, and it, and it is what it is. Heard it here first. <laughs> he says, I'm the one to go and do the work, bring you the damn profits. Okay, I think in some of these lines, he kind of paints a picture of where he was positioned in the whole YSL debacle. Do we know if it's the truth? Not exactly, but that's how he has characterized himself as the one to go and do the work and bring you the profit. Okay. Um, then he says, you still fuck with somebody that done got your partner whacked. It's my favorite line on, (laughs) in this song. Okay. Because if you've listened, you know that he replaces the word whacked with a scream. And I thought that's fucking genius because everyone who's listening and I've heard it said too. Pivot. Okay. (laughs) I've heard people say that some of the songs were just a little bit weirdly edited, missing different lyrics in order to uh, limit how much Gunna and his associates might be incriminated. Right. So a couple a couple songs have like awkward endings or lyrics that aren't completely finished. And uh, the fans say that that is on purpose because they were saying something that could have been pertinent to what's going on right now. And so they had to edit it in post. And um, if that is the case here, then they did it really tastefully. I don't know that. (laughs) I don't know that he couldn't say that somebody's partner got whacked. (laughs) Um. So it it might have been a strategic thing, but it could also very. But it very well could be just an artistic touch, you know, and a good one, if you ask me. Okay, used to fuck and then the whack and it's just a screaming. He doesn't even say whack. You just know that what that's what he meant. Great. He says, fuck, I paid the lawyers all those mills for. Just so I won't have to say a word to Dodger Railroad. Okay. He's talking about the case. He's asking, why would I pay these mills 
of course, so I won't have to say a word to Dodger Railroad. So he's saying, hey, I paid my lawyers out the ass and took this plea deal because I was searching for the option that would do the least damage to me and also prevent me from having to go on the stand and, and, and snitch, basically. Never gave no statement or agree to take no stand on them on whatever you on. And trust me, I'm a stand on. All right. You heard it here. Never gave a statement or agree to take no stand on them. Okay. Sure. I don't mean to sound so doubtful. Yeah, you heard it here. <laughs> he said that's what he said. And that's what he said. After that, we go to Turn Your Back. Longest song on the album. He's singing his heart out here. He's melancholy, sad, abandoned, lost, alone, confused, anxious. Those are some of the words I would use to personify this song. It's very real, very um, vulnerable, very emotional. I think that he's reflecting on how he got to the place that he's in now. Um, All the things that have gone wrong or gone right in the process. People. I betrayed him. He doesn't have guidance. He doesn't have any peace. And he's just basically trying to figure everything out on his own. And that is very, very sad. Very, very sad. This, uh, this song makes me feel really bad for Gunna. Really sad for Gunna. You know, because when you try and put yourself in the shoes of this person who was um, basically on top of the world, right? then gets arrested and then has to make this really, really difficult choice about what he's going to do legally uh, while also being a co-defendant with some people who were, who are really close to him. And then him making that decision, not knowing if it's the right one coming out and then having to basically face the music by himself. uh, It's unfortunate. Some lyrics that I think are important. Sometimes I get upset and clench my teeth. I done made it out the streets, but I still ain't find my peace. Where to go? I done made it out the streets, but still ain't find my peace. Because this is not a peaceful incident. He is still experiencing lots of anxiety, probably PTSD in some forms, as a result of being arrested. So he has made it. I talked about this on an earlier song, but he has climbed. He was in the middle of experiencing his success to the fullest and now has been sat down and is mentally not at peace either because his friends are still facing trial. Um, I get back on the road this time and pressing the brakes. How dare you fix your lips with me? You don't know what it takes. I'm out here on my own. They throwing stones every day. I'm sure he feels incredibly isolated um, by this whole entire experience. So he says, you don't even know what it takes. Like, you don't. Because he is by himself. Um, he says, I'm only in control of me, that monkey on my back, he holding me. I'm only in control of me. This is important. You only can control your own 
life and your own destiny. You can only make decisions for you. And at the end of the day, whatever decisions that you make for you, you have to then sleep with because those are your decisions. That's your life. You're only in control of you. Offering some perspective because and two, you can't say how the universe will move around you, right? The future is unpredictable. So you can only make decisions that you think are good for yourself. He says, I made his life a breeze. You ain't have shit. I let you roll the weed. Okay. Self-explanatory. Um, I never knew one day that we'd agree to disagree. So who is he agreeing to disagree with? That he did not think that he would agree to disagree with. He says, this ain't just rhymes. I'm saying shit that's in my mind. I fed you, gave you shoes and clothes, and you just signed out. Oh, yeah. We having problems. Ain't no telling how this gonna, how they're going to be solved. He says, I realized I didn't read between the lines and I blind had to open up my eyes and see it all. Okay. This might be um, in reference to his plea deal. And it also might just be in reference to uh, his communication with his family and friends uh, that he needs to read more in the lines about. But yeah, this was a really melancholic song <laughs> um next song i was just thinking don't we all just think i'd be thinking constantly. i'm sure he's probably constantly thinking so many ideas so many thoughts so many doubts what if this what if that what if you know his his brain i would not wish what he's going through on anyone his brain must be like that SpongeBob meme where they're all at the file cabinets and everything's on fire. <sighs> Some of the things he says, and I was just thinking. He says, I was just thinking about the times I was hard-headed. Thought it was right all along. I was misled. Okay, were you misled or were you stupid? Were you led by someone else or were you, did you mislead yourself? <laughs> hard-headed. Don't be hard-headed, folks. Stubborn. Unable to adapt or, you know, unable to uh, synthesize new information. Very important life skill. Next, he says, I done gained a whole lot more ops. Now I'm home. Yes, undoubtedly. I'm sure that's also a thought taking up his mind. You know, who is my friend? Who is not my friend? Who should I be careful around? Who wants to see me fall? You know, he says, only I done cried because this feeling for my bro, King Slime. Okay, yes, very heartbreaking. I I will talk about this later, but I feel like I know just a little bit how he feels in a really minuscule way, but I'll talk about that later. Um, He says, and you know my mind, you don't watch that grow. No, you're hearing the lies that your little brother might fold. Yeah, I had popped out, but don't let him say I told. (laughs) This is interesting. It is. It's like he's kind of pleading his case with Young Thug, right? You don't watch me grow. 
now you're hearing the lies that I might fold. I popped out, but don't let them say I told. It's kind of like, it's a similar vibe to like when you (laughs) did something wrong and you're explaining to your teacher because you might be in trouble. He's like, yeah, I had done this, but I don't, I didn't do this. I did, I did pop out. Yes, (laughs) I, I did pop out. And what does pop out mean? He took a plea deal and left jail while young thug is still in jail. So he says, yes, I popped out, but don't let him say I told. He's like, I didn't tell on anybody, basically. Um, so he's like, yeah, I left you in jail, but I did not, in fact, snitch the way that they're saying I snitched. It was a different way that I took my plea deal. (laughs) But he probably doesn't have access to Young Thug in order to explain either, which has got to be gut-wrenching as well, anxiety-inducing as well, because when you think of this person who is only getting told what's happening through secondary sources, you know, people calling him, people telling him what had happened and giving their summation. And you have to wonder, what are people telling him? Oh, Jesus. Um, he said, I never crossed lines. All I did was play my part. This, <laughs> I would, if I was his lawyer, I would not have let him write that. All I did was play my part. Okay, so you played a part? What did you play a part in? No admitting anything. Stop that. And also, you know, if I'm his friend, I'm like, okay, I never crossed lines. All I did was play my part. Okay, so what was playing your part? Like, what was, like, I think you're trying to minimize. You're trying to minimize what it is that you actually did, right? He said, I had popped out, but don't let him say I told. I never crossed lines. All I did was play my part, you know? What's the truth? Were you were you in it or were you not in it? If you were in it, then how do, how were you in it? You know, all I did was play. Okay, yeah. Um, what else does he say? Just at like twenty five and didn't have it in order, all in order. He's a young man, so understandably. I'm almost 25 and I don't have it in order. I just been getting high. I don't ever want to be sober. This is sad. This is kind of the culmination of the sobriety arc. He's like, I'm giving up on that because the, these thoughts on, on my mind, I don't want to be sober with them, which is sad. Um, he said young and he finished it off with something like young gonna get and wiser. Don't ever think it's over. Oh. It's not over so the fat lady sings and hopefully everything does work out in the way that he envisions it to. But things are not looking so great. And the last song on the album, all right. Awesome in- instrumental. This is another sad song, but it is hopeful, right? He is hoping that everything is going to be all right after it is all said and done. Some lyrics Dirt all on my name, say I'm wrong and I ain't right. Okay, yes. Okay, yes. 
And like, we won't know until the trial actually takes place. And even after that, we still might never know what exactly went down with him and YSL. Um, so it's hard to say, but he, you know, there is definitely a dirt on his name. He says, they let me out the chains on a suspended sentence. I didn't learn my lesson about paying attention. It don't feel like a blessing. Tell God I'm repentant. If y'all talk to my dog, just tell him I miss him. Very sad. He's repenting. He's repenting. What did he do wrong? He's telling he is repenting. If he talked to my dog, tell him I miss him. I feel sad for him. That is his friend who is in jail. It's hard, even if you're not a co-defendant on the same case, to have your friend be in jail. Um, this whole thing about a suspended sentence, I have to look more into that. I don't know exactly the details of it, but it might be that he, um, you know, got let out. But depending on what they uh, determine, he'll, he may have to actually serve time. But I don't know. He's got a suspended sentence. And that's what he's saying, too. Like, he says, I didn't learn my lesson about paying attention. So something about that is not what he thought it was. What else? They left me with a loss. Another loss. <laughs> this money and the fame brought me pain and it changed. Yes. But he still kind of, like, mindlessly pursues it, according to, <laughs> according to these lyrics. This money and this pain brought me pain and it changed. But uncritically, we still are attempting to gain more wealth. Gonna think about why you want the money. If it's caused you pain, the money and the fame brought you pain. Why do you want the money and the fame? Okay. Um, he says... Terrible mistakes. I can't ask God why. Another reference to a mistake, to a loss. Okay. A lot of people change. It won't ever be the same. But it's going to be all right. It won't ever be the same because after this, there's no way they can go back to what they were. This is a definitely a life-changing kind of event. Okay, and with that, we complete our review, our song-by-song song breakdown of Gunna's A Gift and a Curse. Um, now, let's talk about this album in general. Oh, Lord. <laughs> the, after getting done with it, I feel bogged down, kind of, like, sad, like, a little depressed. Those last couple of songs were not very fun and lighthearted. Instead, they really got to the meat and potatoes of some of his internal landscape. Um, and I can appreciate that. You know, there were moments of levity throughout this album, right? But largely, it's a reflection of the emotional turmoil and the distress that Gunna is. You know, he's, that Gunna is experiencing and that his innermost circle is experiencing as a part of this whole legal situation. Um, throughout the entirety of the album, you can feel that thread of anxiety, of loss, of sadness, of pain, of 
isolation, all of that, you know, threaded in between all of these songs, even those um, lighter moments come with the context of what's happening uh, in Gunna's real life right now. Um, Yeah, so despite some more superficial, you know, moments, we really got a, a personal look at some of what Gunno has been thinking about, some of his internal thoughts, some of his internal ideas and emotions and beliefs about the situation. Uh, some of the core ones being that, you know, he made the best decision that he can, but he still is doubting if it will be effective, if it will um, garner the result that he was hoping for and that everyone, you know, can still get out all right, get out unscathed. Um, other things he talks about, you know, this idea that wealth and fame, uh, will help him in some way are, are desirable, right? That they are important to get back. Um, yeah, different stuff like that. Different, different beliefs about like his solitude and being alone and, whether or not he needs anybody throughout the album. Um, He raps really well, I think, about his life and his life stories and the latest developments within himself. He raps about it, but I don't necessarily think he's critical of it or he's critical about it. Like, he's not critically analyzing the way that he's thinking. He gets pretty candid, you know, about what? But he doesn't get very candid about why and how and all of the other deeper questions, right? So on on one level, we get to see what he's thinking. But on a deeper level, you don't get him thinking about why he's thinking these things. So the events of his life, you know, the, the understandable the understandable emotions that he has and is experiencing. Yes, but why? No. I think he paints a good picture, you know, of his mind and his heart. He gets vulnerable. He gets real. He confronted some uncomfortable feelings. Um, And I think that's, that is what I'm searching for as a listener is something real and something human to connect to. And I think he definitely gave that to us. I think he could have gone deeper into his uncomfortable feeling. Um, The uncomfortable feeling that I was talking about earlier in the episode that I think that I um, understand on a really minute level from him is the feeling of dread when you know that you your actions might have disappointed somebody. Right. That whatever you're going to say they're not going to like, <laughs> and this is in a, especially in relation to like an authority figure or somebody that you want to make proud, like going to your mom or your teacher and being like, I, uh, didn't do this homework or whatever. And it, depending on, there are variations to this, but it's kind of, I think, within the same vein of like regret, disappointment, fear, shame, guilt, all wrapped into one. And it kind of becomes like a pit in your stomach. Like it's like when your st- 
stomach is falling, when it's dropping, like when you're going down a couple feet in the air, like if you're on a roller coaster, like that kind of sinking feeling, like I might be, I might be disappointing somebody right now. Somebody might think that, <laughs> think, think that, you know, I'm not for them, like I don't care about them, whatever, that I'm not valuing this class or I'm not, you know, whatever it is. But I think that that is really what he's feeling, but he doesn't go there. He goes to sadness, anxiety, grief and stuff, but he doesn't go to like shame. I, he doesn't express shame, I think, as an emotion as much because he can't, first of all. <laughs> I think because he can't, because people would take that feeling as proof of guilt when it's really not. Um, but. What was I going to say? <laughs> he he doesn't go to that place of shame, I think, because of the fact that he can't. But also, I don't know that he knows that that is what he's feeling. Like, I think it's much more digestible to be sad and depressed and grieving than it is to feel like shame and fear and confusion. Right. I think that's a little I think those there are some emotions that are a bit more accessible. And the whole shame thing okay great um the instrumentals i thought were solid throughout the entire album it was pretty well produced across the board and the lyrics were well done um some of the songs strike me as being more like streams of consciousness for gunna like he's journaling out his thoughts and emotions and just really like saying what it is that is on his mind verbatim um and I can appreciate that. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Um, I don't think he he plays around. It's not very like hypothetical. He's really just saying what it is. It's not um yeah. Just saying what it is. Um and it, it's kinda like, you know, when you're journaling, when I'm journaling or when I'm talking out my feelings with someone, I will repeat the same thing over and over. And I will turn it around in my head and I will go through the same, you know, three points each time because I'm trying to, I'm seeking like additional understanding. It's kind of like when you have a puzzle and you're turning your puzzle piece every which way to see where it fits. It's kind of like that feeling, but mentally. And I think that's kind of what he was doing. We saw several ideas mentioned more than once. And I think he's just turning these ideas and thoughts around in his mind to try and make sense of like where he is emotionally and mentally. I think he's, you know, talking himself through some of more, the more complex ideas that he has about himself and his situation. Right. Um, and yeah, I thought that for what it is, it's a great album. Um, there were some losses, <laughs> um, born rich back to the moon. I think several of these songs revolve around the same thing, of course, because it's an album kind of dedicated to where he is right now in life. Um, but I think that if the goal was to do that and paint a picture of where he is right now in his mind about the whole thing, then he's done that. Right? He hasn't necessarily exonerated himself at all. He hasn't made some, you know, crazy statement 
about it all. He has simply said what he is experiencing. And that's, that is important too, right? That's just as important as him attempting to exonerate himself whenever that might take place, right? That's just as important as him, you know, building up a braggadocious, uh, a braggadocious persona again and amassing lots of wealth and fame and notoriety. Just as important as whatever future album in which he is going to go back to the standard, you know, rapping and flexing format is this project in the span of his career where he he really lays it all bare. Um, some of the songs that I really loved. Fuck You Me, Go Crazy, Bread and Butter, and All Right, and some that I didn't love as much, Born Rich, and Back to the Moon. And with that, let's go ahead and move on to the Music is More segment of the Music is More podcast. And by now, I'm sure you are scratching your head. You're saying, how can we possibly fit a Music is More segment of the Music is More podcast into this episode when we are at an hour and 53 minutes at this point. And you're right. You're true. So what I'm going to do is rein myself in here (laughs) and we're not going to do a Music is More segment for this episode. I will come back eventually and talk about some of the overall themes and concepts a little bit more deeply, the societal implications of this album. But Because we're almost at two hours, I'm like, no way can I subject you to three hours of an episode. We'll just have to come back for like a part two or something like that. Maybe I'll I'll discuss this album and Young Thug's album jointly at some point. I don't know, Uh, but I'll revisit when I can, when it's not this episode and when it hasn't been two hours. If you've made it this far, congratulations, because you have made it to the end of this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really loved going through and picking apart A Gift and a Curse by Gunna together with you. Feel free to bring your thoughts, opinions, um, you know, controversial takes to me on our social media platforms. We're on Instagram and we're on Twitter. Um, Handles will be in our profile somewhere. So come find us. If you want to chit chat about this and um, yeah, hopefully I'll see you on the next episode. I've also attached some bloopers to the end of this episode, just in case you want to get funny. Some of my um, some of my opinions and thoughts that just didn't make the cut for this episode. And then like so many outtakes of me uh, just just fucking up. So (laughs) you're down to listen to that. Stay tuned while the blooper reel plays in the back. Okay, lovelies. Goodbye. Bye-bye. See you next time. And yes, it's actually kind of funny, though, because anyway, no, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> That'll have to be a blooper. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> no one would question, you know, the violent lyrics in rock, you know, and attempt to put somebody in jail. Um, based off of evidence in a rock lyric song, uh, if that makes sense. That did not make that much sense. But <laughs> it just is the truth, you know? You you might not think, uh, you know, the powers, blah, 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 right? 
Taylor Swift gets to talk about her life, right? But people don't necessarily, for a long time, people were like, I guess um, Taylor Swift is from a small town, right? Of course, they, they ass- people assign meaning. This is getting out of hand. <laughs> for, I, I'd like to take the example of Taylor Swift. People, for a long time, thought she was like a small town, suburban girl, right? In reality, she's rich right? (laughs) But the songs that she was singing, the art that she was making, if you just took it at face value, you would think, oh, this is just a regular lady. You know, she's just like us. (laughs) But her actual reality was slightly different from the things that she might have been singing. The landscape that she might have been painting, it doesn't mean they weren't relevant. It doesn't mean her art wasn't good. It doesn't mean anything because it's just art. (laughs) But a, a lot of white people, <laughs> white people get to go home on bond. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, so simple enough, really. You hear that as you hear that song name as the title of his first of his first um song. Oh my god. We're going to start from the top. So the first, <laughs> so the, <laughs> I'm making myself laugh. Okay. And throughout the album, Gunner said, what? Gunner? No. <laughs> right. Not only he's talking, there's several, excuse me. <laughs> Back to the thing. We hate the criminal justice, the criminal justice system. Criminal justice reform is very important. I do find it sad, though, that I think that a lot of rappers, the, the criminal justice system wants rappers, right? It just does. It just does. No way you're a rapper and there's not a Fed assigned to you, right? You get what I'm saying? Like, they prey upon that, I feel, uh, that community, right? Um. But I think rappers are often the least aware of this. (laughs) The fact that they want you, right? They want to try and punish you and people like you. Um, And often um, rappers don't get involved in criminal justice reform campaigns until they are under that kind of persecution from the justice system themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't really get in their bag until after having encountered the criminal justice system personally. Um, And I think that's unfortunate, right? A lot of uh, famous rappers have gotten out of the carceral system and and said, we have to do something about this. Um, And we do, but it sucks that often it takes a personal encounter, right? For, for them to get in their bag about it. Anyway, I think that's the case with a lot of human conditions, though. So it's not like they are special. <laughs> the song goes up in. Hold on. Oh, my God. I want to kill people who have loud cars. I think you're it's literally. 2.55 p.m. in the afternoon. What the fuck are you revving your engine for, my hoe? Please calm down. Anyway, 
right? He is. Wait, is that right? I have to go to. QP, QP ski. Oh, yeah, I'm right. Uh, the thing is, could Gunna get a, a Grammy? I would never say no. But with this project, I don't know. He could. <laughs> he could. I think, too, it's not necessarily a reflection of his of his talent if he doesn't get a Grammy. It's more of like, does he have the connections required in order to position yourself in a way that you can get a Grammy? And do people think of his music in the way that is necessary for him to get a Grammy? And I don't think, I don't think so. I think by the time you're looking at Grammy nominees, you have to be legendary and absolutely out of this world, produce the best music ever known to man. I think the bar is incredibly high, especially when you're talking about like rap music. The things that they, the things that they are willing to give a Grammy to in the genre of rap music, has to kind of defy the boundaries of rap, in my opinion. Like it can't necessarily be pure rap. You have to have a name. You have to have some different genres incorporated. You have to have gone outside of your, you know, comfort zone in some really, really incredible and new way. Like. They usually only crown like pioneers in rap. I feel like I might take this out, but yeah, anyway. And I'm not saying that Gunna is not a pioneer, but like to have like some people who've won Grammys in the genre of rap are Lil Wayne, Jay Z, Kanye, you know, Kendrick. I don't think that this. I don't even I I don't think this that this project could 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 get there. And you know what? Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to go look at recent um Grammys. Mac Miller. Nipsey Hussle. The Fugees. Eminem. Eminem won way more times than he probably should have. What the fuck? Eminem's on this list so fucking much. (laughs) No offense to Eminem. He's a great rapper, but it's like all these years he was the number one rap album. You've got to be kidding. 2011, 2010, 2003, 2001, 2000, Eminem. And back to the whole thing. It It does not, it's not super reflective of your culture, of, of the, of the things you contribute to the culture. Mac Miller, not Mac Miller, Mac Lamour won over Drake's Nothing Was the Same. Are you kidding me? He won over Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid Mad City. What? Are you kidding? Lost me lost me yeah so so yeah you've got to have like the industry support 
like Chance the Rapper won for a coloring book. Are you kidding? No offense, but like, no. Nobody was bumping coloring book. Be for real. I'm looking at these things. I'm like, shit, what the fuck? Anyway, yeah. You gotta be big, big, big. And big outside of the genre of rap, I think, in order to win that kind of Grammy. But more power to him. I don't think that it's impossible to him. I think he just has to be strategic. Not, you know, I'm being hyperbolistic. Hyper, 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 hyperbolistic? Hyperbole? I'm being hyper. Hyperbolic. There we go. I'm being hyperbolic. (laughs) But you get it. Is it? Is this right? Yeah. I'm being hyperbolic. There we go. Thank you. 